You know, over the years, I've been uh, privileged to uh, live in many places, and I've learned from many different cultures. Uh, when I was in high school and college, I worked in some hardware stores, uh, not the, the big box kind of Lowe's or Home Depot's that you have now, but the old corner hardware. Uh, but uh, you need to understand that not all hardware stores are the same. Uh, in Florida, growing up down there, I, I uh, worked in a builder's hardware store, mostly working with building contractors. But uh, when I moved to Kentucky uh, later on uh, for college, I had a job working in a farm uh, hardware. Now, that was kind of a pretty good uh, distance to travel, if you will, metaphorically speaking, for going from a builder's hardware to a farm hardware for a, for a city kid, you know. And I had a lot to learn about, about farming. Um, Mr. Llewellyn, who was my boss, he was also the owner of the hardware store, um, was also a farmer. And he raised hogs and uh, grew tobacco and uh, uh, feed corn, had some, had some cows on his place. One day, uh, Mr. Llewellyn came into the store and he was, uh, he was carrying an old beat up corrugated cardboard box. I mean, this box was itself was pretty shabby, but in the box, uh, there was this uh, old piece of meat resembling uh, a ham, maybe 10 or 12 uh, pounds. And he threw the box down on a counter in the back of the store. And there it laid for several weeks. Uh, and it started uh, developing a kind of a green mold on it. And uh, it was always my job to clean the store up at the end of the day, to sweep out and straighten up the shelves a bit, get it ready for the next day. And I said to Mr. Llewellyn, you, said, you want me to get rid of this old piece of meat back here? You want me to toss it in the dumpster? And he says, no. He said, we're going to eat that. And I said to myself, really? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I tried trying to imagine that, you know. And uh, so another week went by, and that old piece of meat still laying there in the back of the store. And was, I said to Mr. Llewellyn again, you, you need me to toss this out? For you, said, no, we're going to eat that. Well, a couple more weeks went by, and this thing, you know, the mold was growing on this. I said, Mr. Llewellyn, this thing's kind of getting moldy back here. Uh, you sure you don't want me to get rid of it? He said, no, we're going to eat that. You just take a little vinegar and a vegetable brush. You wash that off. You cook that. That's, that's good eating. That'll make a tadpole hug a whale, he said, you know. And uh, so... Uh, Anyway, I learned that he was serious, and uh, it's what they call country ham down there in, uh, in Kentucky. You mentioned country ham, biscuits, and red-eyed gravy, and that'll make every red-blooded Kentuckian stand up and salute. I mean, it's a patriotic thing down there. Um, it's their soul food. Well, what I learned about this ugly piece of meat is that it had been packed in salt uh, to preserve it. Uh, and, and besides a shortage on shoes down there, I, I thought maybe that they might have a shortage on refrigerators too, you know, using uh, salt to, to uh, preserve their, their meat. But it's what they use, and, and it's a simple substance, and, and Jesus talked about it uh, in our uh, scripture this morning. Now, you have to understand a little bit of the history of salt to understand why Jesus used this particular metaphor 
to describe uh, our role as Christians as being salt. Salt salt's pretty common and inexpensive today, but in earlier times, salt was rare and it was expensive. Roman soldiers were in part paid uh, in salt. And thus our English word salary comes from that word, the Latin word for salt. Ancient governments uh, taxed salt. In the Tower of London, if you were to visit there, among the uh, crown jewels, you'll find some uh, very ornate brass salt cellars dating back to around 1630, 1640. Um, On the American frontier, pioneers often settled near what were called salt licks, salt outcroppings in the ground. Uh, They needed to be near the salt to to mine it, to gather it, uh, to preserve their their food before the days of refrigeration. Uh, During the Civil War uh, in the South, uh, salt was a very scarce commodity due to the naval blockade that was surrounding the southern states. So Jesus paid a, 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 a real compliment to his disciples when he said, you are the salt of the earth. Um, we can, I think still, we call a person of integrity and character uh, the salt of the earth. It's a, it's a real compliment, no mean title. Salt flavors. It makes its presence known. A pinch of salt can, uh, can really uh, be a great addition to uh, many recipes. Salt also makes a sore spot sting. Christian ethics can sting, can sting the conscience of a society. Salt also preserves fish and fresh meat. Good good men and women preserve the best elements of our society. Sodom, you'll remember in the Old Testament, would have been spared had Abraham able to find 10 good men. Back in the uh, late 18th century, late 1700s, uh, France underwent uh, a bloody revolution. But England at the same time was spared a similar fate in part because of the spiritual newel, the the great revival that swept through that land, uh, owing much of it to John Wesley's preaching. So Christians are called to influence every area, to permeate every area of life for good. Christian values can penetrate our society and affect the attitudes and the policies of individuals and governments. Jesus, uh, you'll notice, he didn't call us the honey of the earth. I suppose that might have been another kind of compliment in another way. He thought we were sweet, but... That's not what he called us. He said, you're the salt of the earth. Notice also that he didn't say that we have the potential to become the salt of the earth. We already are. Our faith, uh, like salt, is meant to penetrate our society as we share the good news of Jesus Christ. Like our United Methodist mission statement, making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. That's what salt accomplishes. We're meant to flavor 
and to preserve our culture with the message of the kingdom of God. You are the salt of the earth. And I would challenge us to live up to Jesus' high compliment in what he called us. Now, there's a second, a second metaphor in our text this morning, and that is light. Light. Uh, some of you may be familiar with the name Clarence Jordan. Clarence Jordan was uh, uh, the head of a, a spiritual community down in America's Georgia, not too far from that Anderson uh, prison camp, battlefield uh, down there. Um, and it's the, the community out of which grew the Habitat for Humanity organization. But Clarence Jordan, uh, Jordan was quite a Bible scholar himself, and he, he did a sort of a Southern-style translation of the, uh, of, the, of the New Testament and of the Gospels. Uh, one of his books was called The Cotton Patch Version of the Gospels. In, in his... Uh, Cotton Patch Version, Clarence Jordan paraphrases our text today in this way. He says, all of you are the world's light. You are a city on a hill that cannot be hid. Have you ever heard of anybody turning up a light and then covering it up? Don't you fix it so that uh, it will light up the whole room? Well then, since you are God's light, which he has turned on, go ahead and shine so clearly that when your conduct is observed, it will plainly be the work of your spiritual father. I don't want to sound grim, but we live in a sin-darkened world. I think all of us are maybe uh, a little on edge these days with some of the things that are going on in our world, especially in Europe today. I have a son in the military who's uh, over in Kuwait uh, right now, and uh, it makes... Uh, a lot of people uh, a little bit nervous about our world. And it's a shame that uh, we uh, have to contend uh, with that in our society. The prophet Isaiah said, the people who walked in darkness <clears throat> have seen a great light. Speaking of Jesus, we're looking forward to the coming of Christ. And the psalmist saying, the Lord is my light in my salvation. So Jesus came into our darkened world to show us the Father and to make salvation possible. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, he went on to say. And then he said, I am, I am the light of the world. He's the source of our light. Jesus also said, and this is important, he said, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. As in, and, and, and that it is impossible uh, to hide a city that is built on a hilltop. It's impossible to hide that light. So we're to share it. That's what we're being encouraged to do, to share that light with others, that good news of Jesus Christ, the influence of the gospel. If it worked in our lives, if it challenges us, perhaps it will others as well. And a genuine witness, 
and, and that word genuine is important, authentic. An authentic witness will attract others to Christ and to his church. So believers are to let their light shine, just hold it high, uh, shine like beacons or lighthouses that, that warn the, the world about the dangers of life and death without Christ. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we let our light shine for Christ? I would suggest, first of all, by our good attitudes and actions. Jesus said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And so note that uh, our good works are not to draw attention to ourselves, but rather they're meant to draw attention to the Lord. I once, I once heard a, wo a woman uh, say of her, her pastor, uh, you could warm your hands by his love. What a great compliment that is. You can warm your hands by his love. It was the love of God in him that led her to Christ. And so these are strong metaphors. Uh, and they call us to believe and to share our faith and to teach us what we are to be and to do. We're called to be stewards of these gifts. The Apostle Paul described himself as a steward of God's good news. It had been entrusted to him. It wasn't given to him to hoard and keep to himself. Rather, it was entrusted to him to share. And in the same way, we are stewards of that same good news. I, uh, I hesitated to throw a, a third metaphor into this uh, sermon, but I'm going to do it anyway, uh, because it's sort of... Uh, it sort of applies here uh, in a way. Uh, one of the great saints in my own life, uh, someone who really touched my life, was the late uh, Dr. Robert Wiley. He was my religion professor at Asbury College years ago. He had a very humble spirit and a really big heart. It was often said of uh, Prof. Wiley that he just loved people into the kingdom. He just had that effect on you, just love people into the kingdom. Well, Prof. Wiley kept a Jersey cow on his place over on the north side of town. He had a few extra acres, and he had this uh, old Jersey cow there uh, that he used to provide milk for his family and some extra. Uh, but each week, he would deliver a gallon of milk in a big, big glass mayonnaise jar uh, to my roommate and myself over in the dorm. He would bring it over. Um, and uh, it, was, it was really good. Um, he must have known that we, uh, we were struggling college students, maybe had that forlorn, hungry look, I don't, I don't know. Uh, but uh, he took pity on us and started bringing over a gallon of milk uh, each week. Now, this was, a, as I said, it was a Jersey cow, so it really had a lot of cream that uh, stood up on the, on the top of his really rich milk. But... Prof. Wiley's cow had one bad habit. She loved grazing in the wild onions. And uh, I don't know how she managed, but if there was one wild onion out there in that pasture, she would, she would find it. And you could really tell uh, by the taste of the milk where this cow had been grazing. 
And on those particular days when, when the cow had gotten in the onions, uh, uh, you could almost tell before you ever tasted it that the cow had been in the onions because Prof. Wiley would pour copious quantities of Hershey's syrup into the milk and shake it up before he brought it over to us. Uh, but I'll tell you, even the chocolate syrup <laughs> couldn't quite conceal the taste of the onions that was in that milk. Have you ever given any thought to the fact that, like Prof. Wiley's cow, uh, other people can tell where we've been grazing? You ever given any thought to that? Uh, Jesus said good people do good things because of the good in their hearts. Bad people do bad things because of the evil in their hearts. Your words show what's in your heart. So no amount of chocolate syrup uh, or, or cover-up can totally conceal what's in our hearts. It's evident in the kind of fruit that we yield. Will they help me produce the kind of uh, fruit that is consistent with the Christian faith? Sometimes we just, uh, I think we, we just need to take inventory of our lives. Uh, we might want to take a moment to consider where we've been grazing, the kinds of things that uh, we're taking into our hearts. Are they compatible with the high calling of God in Christ Jesus? Are they compatible with, uh, with the Christian life and all that we know about being a disciple of Jesus Christ? Will they help me produce the kind of fruit uh, that is consistent with being a Christian? I, uh, I know that others around me can tell when I've been grazing in the onions. Pastors are not exempt. Uh, people can tell. And it shows, and you really can't hide it. And I suspect it's true for all of us. Jesus says, you can tell a tree um, what a tree is like by the fruit that it produces. And I know, too, that my spiritual vitality isn't what it, used, it, it should be if I've been out there grazing on the onions and not feeding on God's word. Friends, uh, we are given the gifts of salt and light that we might live them out uh, for, in love uh, for all of God's children. And that's the challenge of Christ for us today, to be that salt and light. But stay out of the onions. Will you pray with me? Gracious God. You do us an honor by calling us salt and light. And we hope that we could live up to those titles from what we understand that you meant uh, in calling us salt and light. Help us to transform our world by what we do, what we say, and who we are. Help us to light up the world and show forth uh, who you are in our behavior, in our deeds of love, mercy. 
so that others too might be drawn uh, to you, come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.